sound. We're going to learn something? We're going to podcast. Okay. We're going to talk. <laughs> it's July 21st, 2016. This is the Soybean Pest Podcast. It's our 10th episode of our 7th season. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Doing, we missed last week because we? our, our lives were kind of crazy. So we haven't met since the 12th. Oh, wait. Never mind. We, we did meet last week. Yeah, it was a little bit later in the or earlier in the week. Yeah, but okay. It just seems like a long cleared. time since we've done this. Yeah, and now that we have that cleared up, <laughs> we can move forward. <laughs> For, um, yeah, so, uh, but it has been a while since we've kind of seen each other. Uh, I did a little trip out to South Dakota about the same time last week. I was driving the eight hours to visit as our one listener in... Uh, Don't say it wrong now. South Dakota, Amanda Bachman told me it's Pierre. Not Pierre. No, it's Pierre. Pierre. And uh, Amanda and Adam Varenhorst, a former student, postdoc here, um, now at South Dakota State, invited me out for a pollinator workshop on Friday of last week. So who who was the audience? Uh, It was a mix of people. Um, I think there were a couple just homeowners, some uh, extension folk uh, that worked for the university system there, a couple people that worked for the... Um, like the equivalent of uh, IDOLs, the land management for the state. Um, It was a small crowd, but there was a very uh, intense crowd. They were um, just absorbing everything we could throw at them. Adam uh, gave them a worksheet to do on reading an insecticide label to kind of find out where it would tell you if the product is going to negatively affect bees. And... um, it was three pages long, front and back. <laughs> the worksheet was? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. on trying to find some of the things embedded yeah. in labels? Yeah. 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 The and labels can be crazy long. But, but we had um, four hours with them. Oh, and okay. they were they were hard at it. They got through about two-thirds of it, and then they came back and said, even after working through lunch, like, this would take us another hour <laughs> to get done. We're fatigued. But they were not fatigued. They were very uh, full of energy. And, and frankly, I learned quite a bit from them, too. You know, the, the state of South Dakota has contracts for beekeepers to uh, uh, rent space, more or less, to put their bees so that they can For forage. the winter or the summer? Uh, during oh. the summer, so uh-huh. they could forage on public land. Oh. Um, and, and I saw a lot of honeybee hives on my way out to South Dakota. I'd never been that far west, and there were a lot of apiaries, you know, uh, farms of bees, maybe 20, 30 hives that were sometimes... Five to six feet in height. Wow. Yeah. It's an interesting state. Uh, um, not a lot of people. No. Not a lot of people. Uh, here, a little trivia question. You want to play along at home. I'm going to ask a question. Give yourself time to answer, and then we'll see if you're correct. The capital of Pier, or capital of South Dakota, Pier. Uh, lowest population of any state capital in the United States. What's the population? Uh, 900,000? 900,000. For the that, entire state? N- ooh. Are no. you talking about Pierre? Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Pierre, uh, the state capital. Pierre, um, maybe about 20,000. 20,000? All right. Everybody write down a number at home. All right. The answer is 13,000. Oh, man. 13,000. They overestimated. Yeah. The city of Ames. Oh, yeah. But what? Three times? Yeah. The size. Yeah, the total state uh, population, 800,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, you noticed, I noticed it driving across the, the section of the state. Just fewer people. Yeah. A lot of agriculture, a lot fewer people. 
But hey, enough about that. Should we talk? Enough about Pierre. Pierre, yes, yeah. in, in South Dakota. But thanks to them. and uh, Shout out to program. all of our South Dakota listeners. Our, our, our South Dakota listener. <laughs> <laughs> I'm optimistic. Yeah. Uh, so what's up? Uh, that's our first bullet point. What's up? What's up? What's up? Well, I think you covered part of what's up because we haven't seen each other for a while. So part of that was because you went on a fun trip. Reunited. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is because I'm hosting, or I'm helping co-host a group of Costa Rican students from the University of Costa Rica. They are Local. coming to, yeah, they came, they came, uh, or they're, they're here right now, staying for about 10 days to learn about agriculture in Iowa. And this morning was one of their favorite stops. So I'm told they got to go to a John Deere dealership, Ooh, yeah, you know, to, yeah. to literally kick the tires and yeah. um, they have a little souvenir shop and oh. the Ticos. Go nuts over John Deere Ticos. merch. Yeah, they call themselves Ticos. Yeah, yeah, they they would call themselves Tico or Tika, uh-huh. and so they Tico for man, Tika for woman. You're right. Oh. Um, and uh, they go nuts for the merch. Wow. Yeah. So they went home with a couple of toy tractors. I'm, I'm assuming so. I wasn't with them this morning. I will join them shortly when they visit a corn and soybean farmer by Boone. Okay. Yeah, but they're they're learning all different kinds of agriculture from things like small organic farms to large farms. They even visit Principal Park to learn about turf. Oh yeah. Which is oh, uh, wow. a wow. new concept for them is to pay attention to like sporting places, you mm-hmm. know, for like football, soccer, mm-hmm. golf, mm-hmm. golf courses and things like that. So, you know, it's real high maintenance. Um and in many ways, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of water, yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, fertility, so High, high inputs. So they're learning everything, I think, enjoying it a lot. So that's, cool. that's, that's what I meant by what's up. Yeah, keep them busy. Mm-hmm. Um, should we go to the meat of the Soybean Pest Podcast? And that is a pest update. Let's let's talk about pests. Let's do. How far into the podcast are we? About six minutes. Six minutes. It's okay. That's, yeah. that's why there's the fast forward button. There is, yes. And I create <laughs> chapters on the podcast. So oh. people can zip forward if they want to. Um, so what are you, what are you hearing? Oh, it is all over the place. Um, some people are still fighting spider mites, but that really has been curbed because of the lot of rain that we've gotten uh, throughout the state. So sometimes lots of rain, lots of times. So that's not great for spider mites, but there are still some places where they're easy to find and the signs of visual injury are apparent. So I, I noticed that we were out, um, today's thursday mm-hmm. we were out in the field yesterday and especially in the lower canopy in a soybean field the the bottom leaves um you know low on the stem uh, pretty much everyone mm-hmm. had the sort of the, the damage marks i didn't see any spider mites but to be fair i was looking for aphids and i wasn't yeah. really looking close and it's tough unless you pull the leaves and you have a little spyglass it's mm-hmm. hard to see yeah. but but you're not seeing mites you but you're hearing of and seeing the damage yeah. yes i i haven't really seen that when i am looking in central iowa but it's i think it's more of some of the southern counties yeah. and the field of groundlust are letting me know well we were in a drought you know yeah. in central yeah. iowa so uh, yeah it was yeah we talked about that last time the abnormally dry conditions in some of the counties but i i don't know you know the drought monitor what it says this week because of you know the rain that we've gotten the last yeah. Yeah. 10 days um, so going forward, would you I would recommend or think about spraying those fields? Well, you mentioned of course, a miticide. That a, 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 now there's a yeah. miticide that's available for Agermac, soybeans? Corn and soybean. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, of course, I'm never going to recommend spraying unless there's a pest injury or pest injury, pest injury or pest density that warrants it. Yeah. So, just because you have some mites doesn't mean you need to spray, of course. But um, it would be that would be kind of like my spidey sense gets raised a little bit, and I mm-hmm. would on spot check those fields a little more often if I saw signs of mites. So I did pull up the drought monitor while you were talking about mm-hmm. that, and um, it was released today at uh, 8 a.m. Um, released Thursday, July 21st, 2016. Yeah, and um, still parts of central and south east Iowa yeah. are showing up as yellow and, and brown, mm-hmm. which means abnormally dry uh, with a smaller patch of moderate drought uh, pretty much on the Missouri Iowa border in the southeast corner. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we're not fully out of the woods for those parts of the state, but I think, the, again, our listeners, you guys can go and look this up. It looks like most of the state is sufficiently moist. Yeah. Which, you know, suggests that yeah, if, if, if it's weather and, uh, and moisture driving the spider mite problems, um, those would be the parts of the state, central and southeast, that would be most at risk. Yeah. Um, conditions are alleviating some, but still probably worth a, a look-see to. Yeah, and in addition to spider mites, things that I'm seeing and also hearing about from field agronomists, craft consultants, and a few other people, um, kind of a good mix of defoliators and soybean right now. We have Japanese beetle, uh, a lot of grasshopper nymphs, yeah. and, and creating kind of like jagged holes. Yeah. yeah. Really saw that in South Dakota. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I was seeing uh, bean leaf beetle adults, not a lot, but... Um, they were active mm-hmm. and there was injury, but the amount of injury was maybe one to 5% of the plant. Not, not a lot. Right. Um, I, I agree with you. I think you could walk into any soybean field and see some defoliation on some plants, but maybe not widespread or uniform defoliation to a point where, you know, you're thinking about making a treatment, but just a l- little bit more activity as far as chewing insects go, maybe than the last couple of years. Um, also, on the spectrum of western corn rootworm, I've heard everything from I haven't seen an adult yet oh, really? to uh-huh. uh, people digging up uh, root or assessing root injury and finding some pretty significant pruning. So kind of a big spectrum on that. Um, I guess it just depends on kind of the area of the state and and sort of the past history of some of the problems with western corn rootworm uh, kind of reaching epic proportions. Hmm. So yeah, those are just some of the things I've been hearing about. What else have you been hearing or seeing? Um, you know, we've got several experiments going with uh, soybean aphid in the field where we've uh, just looking at the background populations and then uh, plants that we've artificially infested and um, very few, if any, aphids mm-hmm. in the fields that, you know, we're, we're just looking at the background populations, like less than one per plant, maybe one per plant. Yeah. Um, and on the plants that we artificially infested, um, some of the populations are actually decreasing. And I think so you're putting it. on aphids and, and they're still not thriving. Well, they, they increased for a bit. We had a couple, mm-hmm. this is, we're into our third week, maybe our fourth week for some experiments. And um, it, I, I haven't seen the data yet for this week, but again, out counting, it wasn't uncommon to find plants that were artificially infested without any aphids. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that might be a function of the temperature. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had really hot, you know, um, periods now, and well above 95, and that can be a source of mortality. Yeah. Um, I, I'd hope that, like, well, I'm saying this because I wanted those aphids to be there for our experiments. I'd hope that the cooler temperatures in the evening would sort of... Like a recovery period? Yeah, but it may not yeah. be working in that way. So. Yeah, it brings up a good point. Um, if you do any type of research online or, or get like egg magazines, that kind of thing, you'll see a lot of variation and thresholds for soybean aphid. Yeah. Um, anything from very low to something that most universities would recommend, which, which is, again, 250 aphids per plant. I think that's kind of beaten into most people's heads by now. You know, it's like 16 years later. But um, uh, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, you're, you're thinking about a treatment or not a treatment. This is what the aphids I have right now and the upcoming forecasts, those all come into play when deciding to make treatments or not. And this is a good year, an example of spraying when you have very low aphids, uh, probably will not see a yield response. You're not getting a return of your investment. Yeah, but it's, if the aphids aren't there, what are you spraying for? Yeah. However, I would say, you know, with spider mites, I, I'm some of the fields we are at, I'm wondering if the, the plant won't reach its full potential now because mm-hmm. of the amount of injury that the that had already taken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a lot of daylight, uh, still in terms of the growing season, still a lot uh, left to be done. And, right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you know of a, kind of a, a white paper that was put together recently by some entomologists in the north central region no, about the soybean aphid threshold, economic threshold, um, just because there is a lot of talk about all these different kinds of thresholds and maybe you know, the market values and the seed costs aren't the same now as they were 10 years ago. And does that mean the economic threshold changes? And so I'll put a link to that white paper. It's uh, hosted out of the University of Minnesota with uh, Bob Cook and Bruce Potter. And uh, people can read a little bit more information about why the threshold what it is, is what it is and why we still recommend that kind of 250 number. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, I hadn't seen okay. that. I mean, I've, I've heard some talk about that, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, I think it comes up every so often, uh, especially at a time when, uh, like right now, I think our bean, the value for beans is, is, is remarkably high, given the trend over the last three yeah. years, and that's uh, an investment that farmers want to protect, and mm-hmm. is it, are they doing the most to protect that right now? So you, yeah. you start to hear people thinking about, well, maybe we should be spraying more. Mm-hmm. I, the thing that I'd be worried about is, you know, what are you spraying? And are you, are you targeting it? Are you targeting the application for the pest that's causing the most damage? Right. And, I, you know, this isn't, I'm not trying to knock you or our listeners, but I don't know if we scout enough, if we're conscious enough about spider mites. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that a lot of the return that some farmers see when they spray maybe coming from protection um, from that pest mm-hmm. and not so much the soybean aphid. I mean, it was, again, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but it was remarkable how consistently I saw that damage on plants. And um, yeah, not something that I think is uh, talked about enough. And, and, and I don't know if we have the products always to mm-hmm. use them. This new miticide you said is, yeah. is out there, but... I don't know if we have a lot of you. I don't have any experience using it. No, I don't either. You're right. I think gen- in general, fields are underscouted 
for insects and mites so know what's truly going on and how long they've been there that's i i don't know uh, too many people that are totally confident what's mm-hmm. going on with their entire farm so that, you know going forward and, and we can talk more about this later um that might aside what's its residual activity when's the best time to apply it you know is it something where you can spray once and be done or do you have to go back and confirm that you didn't have a second outbreak mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks later yeah mites can grow much more their populations can grow quite rapidly so right so anyway there's that mm-hmm. anything else i think that that captures most of the pest activity um, that i've been hearing about yeah mm-hmm. um last one of the last bu- uh, bullets on our uh, to-do list here is the update on our wasp release uh, you know, we had Matt Kaiser come in. He's a postdoc who's helping release a parasitoid wasp that attacks the soybean aphid. And two, getting on two weeks, almost two weeks. It'll be uh, two weeks next Monday. Uh, we had released the, our first batch of those. And it was really interesting because this wasp, it's tiny, um, about the size of the aphid, maybe a little bit smaller. Um, this wasp both lays its eggs inside an aphid and killing the aphid that way. So the larvae basically consume yeah. the inside of the yeah. aphid? Yeah. But they also uh, do what's called host feeding. The adult wasps will feed on the aphids to prolong their life. And we, we had some intense discussions about, well, how many wasps should we release at one place? With the fear being that if we release too many, they would eat all of the aphids and not use them for reproduction. Oh. So, um, hungry, hungry hippo situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, what we decided was the smallest amount that we could release was one package that contained somewhere between twenty-five to three thousand wasps. Wow, that and, seems like a lot. But well, how big? How big is the container? Well, so it's a very small container. Yeah. Very, but like the size of a Coke can. Oh yeah. About yeah. that size yeah. for three thousand. Yeah. That's incredible. Tiny, tiny. They're like uh, I was. Trying to explain this to my daughter. It's like, Daddy, that sounds terrible. You release all these wasps. I'm like, yeah, but they're the size of the period at the end of a sentence. Mm-hmm. So you see these bouncing little periods coming out you know, of the container. But we put them right next to plants that, that we had artificially infested with aphids. And we were at about 300 aphids per plant. So that's 3,000 wasps to 300 aphids. That's a that's 10 a good, to 1 ratio. Good ratio, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the assistants was concerned that we were just going to clean house. Well, so far the um, the wasps are still we're still seeing them. They, they and they're on the plant. They made it to the plant. So are the aphids. But comparing the plants that got a, uh, got wasps to those that didn't, it's about a two to one difference in aphids. We mm-hmm. I think I think just from the host feeding, um, we've reduced the population in half, uh, and that's good because. That means that there's still some aphids persisting, and that those are where, fingers crossed, we won't know until next week. Uh, those are the hosts for the next generation of the wasp. So and, and you know because you see mummies. We don't know yet. Oh, that's I mean, is, that's how you know though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, given the the generation time, it takes about ten to fourteen days okay. for the mummies to form. Okay. Uh, we should find. We should start seeing them either Friday or um, or Monday. Cool. So. We know that they're having an impact in terms of the population. We don't know yet if we've got a second generation, but it's mm-hmm. hopeful mm-hmm. because at least the aphids are still around. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool. I was, I was, I'm looking at your face and yeah. you have this sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be fun to see it in action. Yeah. And biocontrol. Yeah, and uh, this is not. This release is not out to 
really, you know, remove the aphid from the field. Rather, it's to get the population established so that we have this extra source of mortality mm-hmm. for a for at least the soybean aphid. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm kind of hopeful. Is like, well, hey, you know, we I think we're there. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll find out for certain next week. And I'll, I'll talk more about this next time. So. And it's a, I guess another reason to consider not spraying if you don't need to to conserve biocontrol, right? In general. Yeah. But this wasp is released in just 10 locations in central yeah. Iowa. Yeah. And this is not... Oh, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is not something that should affect management now for 99.99999% of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but going forward, if we're able to establish this, it may be an additional source of mortality that would lessen the impact of at least this past. And and could eventually get us to a place where we don't need insecticides, at least for this pest, as much, mm-hmm. and that we can focus our attention on other things. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to, so going back to our discussion about, well, do I spray or not for aphids, or, you know, do I spray at all? Well, um, if it turns out that you don't need to treat for the aphid, you could focus more on a product like a miticide that would be more appropriate for the spider mite, which may be the most, more important pest. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, well, that's, uh, what did they say? Tune in tomorrow for... Tune in until next time? Yeah, tune in until next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi, anything else? Any gigs uh, coming up? Anything? Uh, uh, yeah, any I'm going to a field day in Nebraska this Ooh. Saturday to talk about hops. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're... you're, you're with Diana Cochran in horticulture. Um, she's really the, the primary person on this, but I'm going to tag along for any pest management type questions. Good luck. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. I guess they have a little bit more history of growing hops compared to Iowa, so yeah. they have some more established, bigger yards compared to maybe Iowa. But that's the hope for Iowa. You yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely on the, on the upswing. Yeah. People looking to increase their farm or start new farms. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. That's fine. Yeah, I'll try and take some pictures. All right. (laughs) All right, see you next week. Okay, bye.